episode numero cinco, which is definitely Spanish. <laughs> definitely. I believe it's, what, 15 or 5? One of the two. Cinco is definitely 5. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Alberto. And I'm Tom. And this is Pardon Me Butler. And just quick fun fact, I remember in my Spanish listening test, I actually got a U, which for us is like undefined, it's that bad. Or unmarkable. Wow. We always said it was unmarkable. That just sounds like it's like a, you know, disqualified by default almost, you know, just... Yeah, and I was one mark off getting an actual, like, letter grade. And then in the final Spanish GCSE, I was one mark off an A. So, wow. Clearly, okay. I just don't pay attention to people. Well, also, you should definitely know more about Cinco versus... I mean, I definitely knew that was five. I was just... <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> I was okay. Be- I was being facetious. <laughs> Ugh, facetiousness. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I just want to share a little personal story. You know, just about five minutes ago, I get this uh, Facebook message from my mother because she's one of like the 10 people in the world that still uses Facebook Messenger. Um, even though she has my phone number and like we iMessage, it's like, just stick to one like channel, lady. Seriously. Something I believe in. Yeah, God. Anyways, so she just goes, we just went to this amazing like men's fashion show in Baltimore. Okay. Which was such a random thing. I was like, that's cool. But also I'm like... Am I, why, why am I receiving this targeted message, you know? I mean, is it like... Has your behavioral persona been identified <laughs> as someone who will, who will enjoy this sort of messaging? Well, I suppose that's true. But it's kind of like, oh, I don't hear from my mother for like two weeks at a time. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you exist. There's this fashion <laughs> show that I went to. You're always well-dressed. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, yes, my son is still out there. Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, moving on. What do we really want to discuss today, Tom? Now, we want to discuss all the retconning that has happened to Harry Potter ever since the seventh book was released, which there's been a drastic amount, really, from J.K. Rowling. There honestly has been, and it's one of those things where you just go, is is this really necessary to advance? Well, I suppose it's just necessary to advance uh, budgets, keep milking money out of the, the cow, squeezing the teat you know, firmly around the udder of the Harry Potter franchise. Exactly. And just so we can tie it into the whole, like, we're in Scotland theme. So she wrote this, like, famously in the Elephant House Cafe, which is on, like, George the Fourth Bridge in Edinburgh. But Far superior to the George the Third Bridge. I mean, that one is absolute rubbish. Oh, they put all the money into the fourth, obviously. Yeah. But, so there's a cafe across the road that, at least back in 2018 when I was here for a bit, and they had a sign in the window. It was just a little A4 page that was printed out that said, J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter here too. Probably. Coming for a beer anyway. With a little smiley face. My question is, do they get business off of that? I hope so. I almost went in just because of that. I, I went recently with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Steph. Uh, although we have multiple ones named Steph. So which one it is will remain a mystery. Uh, we went to Artisan Roast Cafe. Uh, they have multiple locations, one of which is in Brochton in northeast Edinburgh. I hope I'm saying that correctly, Brochton. And we sat near the door in this sort of like bay window kind of thing. It was nice. I mean, obviously the views were of greery, sorry, greery, gray, dreary skies and rain, but it was still a lovely kind of place setting. And uh, written into basically the wall was J.K. Rowling never wrote here. <laughs> and then below it said, and I never will, signed J.K. Rowling. Oh, brilliant. So I'm like, well, first of all, that's obviously a logical fallacy then because you have to write so your name on the to, wall. Right, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, 
But it's a thing in Edinburgh, obviously, to be like, oh, the one famous thing that came out of, you know, Edinburgh cafes <laughs> is bloody Harry Potter franchise. I thought you were going to say um, came out of Edinburgh full stop, to which I would have contested James Maxwell, I think. But anyway, that's besides the point. Don't know who that is. He was like, Maxwell Equations Physics, it's a beautiful thing. Um, uh, so anyway, long story short, logical fallacies. That's something J.K. Rowling has decided to, you know, become synonymous with it. Well, let's not years. forget... That at the very end of the first book, she just went, um, when, when Hermione was the one passing the sort of, uh, the potions test that Snape had devised, mm. she just went, wizards have no logic, you know, they're known for not being logical, which is basically mm-hmm. her going, yeah, so anything that I write in the next, like, <laughs> 17 books, it doesn't have to make any sense. Now that, that is some next level thinking. Yeah. But, look... When you look at all the different retcon stuff, and by the way, retcon, retroactive continuity, for everyone out there that doesn't know that uh, is short for Including myself, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had to look it up the other day. Um, so it was basically when they go back and write in more details and mm. explain extra stuff. And it's almost, it's not really just explaining, but it's more of, oh, you're now adding stuff into the canon and even maybe changing the way the story actually goes. Now... There are some good ones that add some, like, you know, depth to characters and relationships. Sure. T- take us through them. Well, then, we'll keep in mind, and these are the fun ones, there's the bad retconning, such as George Lucas continuously tinkering with Star Wars. So they're the two that we're sort of contesting with. Yeah, the, the Star Wars thing I'm going to get to, but yeah, let's yeah. let's go through the On old Harry, uh, Potter. Harry Potter. So the way, where it all began, really, with this retconning, is probably the best one, and this is, like, the Dumbledore is gay, which then put in that whole layer between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and their relationship. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then that was explored a little bit in the Fantastic Beasts films. Like, you know, with that whole uh, Dumbledore looking into the mirror of Erised and seeing Grindelwald yeah, in the second yeah, film. Yeah. What a sap. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who would get hung up over someone. <laughs> I would never get hung up on someone. Jeez, Tom. Oh, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say that that's probably like the best thing that came out of this whole. Um... Well, that came out, and I was like, <laughs> came out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a nice touch, and it makes sense. And you're like, okay, also confirms Dumbledore wasn't a pedo. I mean, even though there's a long history of representation of gay men basically being like, you're a pedophile, um, and th- mostly throughout like cinema um, in the 1900s. But it was nice that it was like, okay. He's just a gay dude, and he exists. Nice. That one's fine. Want to take us to another one, Tom? So the next one, again, is just kind of like a fact that no one ever really thought about, but obviously casting choices kind of led us to a certain assumption. And this was, Hermione could be black. I was amazed at the uproar with which this was met. See, I kind of just met it with a bit of bemusement, like, oh, cool. Like, you know, in The Cursed Child, it was cast as Hermione being black. I was like, whatever, it's Hermione. You know, it's the character. Yeah. But the outrage. <laughs> I just saw your eyebrows <laughs> literally come off your face. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was something to behold. Something to behold, as in it was horrendously racist mm. and disgusting. Britain got thrown back into the 60s with that one. Yeah, and I frankly think it's staying there, to be honest. <laughs> that's a discussion for another time yeah no but speak, speaking of just race and, and film and that kind of stuff just briefly following on from our previous episode um about 
South Korean uh, cultural exports, including the film Parasite. Mm. Donald Trump this week gets up on some rally stage somewhere and then he starts criticizing the Oscars for giving the award to um, for the best film in general to a foreign film to, to South Korea. And then he calls out how horrible South Korea is and like, what, what are the, why are they so great? And uh, he's like, oh, bring back Gone with the Wind. I've never even seen Gone with the Wind. Yeah, what even is it about? Like 40, 50 years ago? Who even knows? Other than like, you know, film buffs. I was like, yeah, you see, it's like obviously playing to his base there. Like, oh, bring it back to the good old days. (laughs) Remember? Yeah, when Korean people didn't make films and I don't have to worry about, you know, literally any notion of diversity. Except they were all super racist and intolerant back then towards, you know, Irish people, right? (laughs) You know, you're, you're not the right kind of white even. Ugh. Well, anyway, Horrendous. back to happier things. Yes. Back to happier things. So, yeah, Hermione is, is black, or could be black. And so there was a few things that, you know, you could think about with this. One, it would add that extra layer of, oh, well, you know, being muggle-born, she was already victimised from, like, prejudice anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it would also think about how she was so passionately defensive of the house elves, who were just the blatant, like, slave replacements of the yeah. Western world, right? yeah. And how she was so like passionately defensive of them setting up a whole organization in Hogwarts for it. Yeah. Spew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> spew more information at me. Um, so yeah, that was in, I believe, the fourth book when she saw Winky, the house elf, just being mistreated in the kitchens yeah. of, of Hogwarts, right underneath the Great Hall. Oh, was it the fourth one? Yeah. Yeah. It was the fourth one for sure, at least in the books. And, and sorry, if I recall, it was the Society for the Protection of... Elfish welfare was yes. that it? Yeah, okay. yeah. Excellent. I don't remember anything I'm at so work, glad you but that I remember that. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I remember that one. That's the one important thing. You never know when that could be useful. Yeah, mom's birthday doesn't matter. Spew. Oh, maybe that explains why she's distant. Okay, moving on. Well, yeah. So next we've got Hagrid, who could not produce a Patronus. And to be fair, her her tweet on the explanation from this was a little little vague it was just like oh it was a difficult spell you know um but what? Poor, poor hagrid you know this guy is already you know uh, s- uh discriminated against half giant but he's always you know i'm big boned oh that always confused me he as has well. this pink umbrella so like is he a bit camp i don't know and you know expelled from the school all that nonsense and then it's like oh he couldn't learn but the patronus was that like a third year level no, no, Harry was, even Harry was just level? a powerful wizard. It was oh, past whoa. the OWL level, as to quote Lupin from the film. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, way past the ordinary wizarding level, is how he says it. Right, okay. So, so therefore, why are we slating Hagrid? I'm going, oh, he can't produce a Patronus. He was, like, kicked out in this, like, second or third year. Yeah, I know, this is, like... It's just insane, and I just feel bad for him, because I think just someone asked the innocent question of, oh, what would Hagrid's Patronus be? But then it was just like, no, he cannot make one. Oh, here's an innocent question. Let me seize this opportunity to just, like, add in extra details that we don't really need. Mm. And now we've got another one coming up here about Anthony Goldstein, who I had no idea was a character. Yeah, he um, he was... I definitely recognized the name, and mm. I knew that he was a Ravenclaw. But I didn't know this fun fact about him, which is a bit, I suppose, close to my heart. What is this fun fact, Tom? Anthony, good old Tony, was Jewish. Amazing. 
So, you know, he was totally left out of all the Christmas stuff and all that. And instead of just going, yeah, okay, basically everyone there is like Christian and that's all that really matters. It's like, no, there's a Jewish character there as well. Um, but, but don't worry about that because, yeah, we never make any mention whatsoever of anything to do with his culture, religion, respecting it in any way. None of it. None of it. You know, there, there's Christmas. Everyone wakes up on Christmas morning, super chuffed, celebrate the birth of Jesus or whatever. But, uh, for, for the Jewish kid, yep, he's actually there. So we just, now, now what? Does he feel bad on the holiday? Does he feel okay? Does he not really care? Is he secular? Are there any more religious Jews? Like, it, it just adds in extra stuff. And the, the origin of this was from a guy who tweeted, and I read this and I was like, oh my God, cringe. <laughs> right? At JK Rowling, my wife said there are no Jews at Hogwarts. Now, that was never actually explicitly stated, right? I'm a Jew, so I assume she said, she said it, to be the only magical one in the family. Thoughts? Question mark? Okay, first of all, mate, <laughs> why are, your wife is the only magical one in the family? Magic isn't real. What are you talking about? You are obviously <laughs> delusional. Secondly, no wonder you're asking this question, because you're out of your freaking mind, Oh, there weren't any Jews in this made-up fantasy story. And I suppose the Sikh students as well had had trouble with Quirrell, with his turban. Mm. Why, why can't we dive in? I'm just like, look, and I'm Jewish, you know, and I love seeing representation, but we don't need to, like, shoehorn it in everywhere I think to make a point out of something that doesn't even really matter in the first place. Religion was never a topic in these books. Honestly, I never even clicked with Quirrell and his turban. Hogwarts might have been horrifically insensitive. I, clearly it was. <laughs> clearly it was. Between or, the slave... or actually, just way ahead with acceptance. It's like, you're a white man who wants to wear a turban? Cool. You want a guy on the back of your head? Great. Well, that's the thing. It was kind of like this post-secular uh, kind of world almost, right? Where like the only divisions were basically between uh, magical and non-magical. And then also like human versus these other races. So you had like... Uh, the house elves, the giants, you know. So anyone that's kind of like in between is probably mistreated or has issues, right? Um, certainly the whole half-blood, muggle-born, like all that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. Like you can see a lot of parallels to, I mean, what's obviously close to Jewish people is um, sort of the the Nazi-era purity of Aryans versus Jews kind of a thing. Like you can see parallels there, but in general, like... Yeah, a lot of this is just this, like, weird retcon stuff of introducing things. I just don't really know why. Mm. A lot of it seems like it could be just for, uh, you know, making more money. But some of it is just, like, I think she's just bored and she's on Twitter and she can keep engaging with her fan base. You know, I just thought there was a book that she wrote a while ago that was just not anything to do with, like, Harry Potter. She put it under a fake name because obviously Robert Galbraith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone would have gone nuts if it was like, "Oh my god, it's J.K. Rowling again." Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't say I ever read it. People figured out that she wrote those because they looked at like the literary style. Mm. How nuts is that? That's insane. But then again, we do have a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands in this world. It seems that's also so, true. I spent fifteen minutes today uh, with Jody, my housemate, reading a theory. Um, written at least 10 years ago, somewhere on the internet, on like one of those old looking kind of web pages with oh, yeah. no no modern feel, a theory that uh, Severus Snape is actually a vampire. Oh my God. I know. 
I'm not going to get into it now, but it's, yeah, it's, there's people with a lot of time on their hands do that kind of stuff. Tom, do you want to continue going through your list here? So next we have some potential bestiality in, um, in Harry Potter. How are the centaurs created exactly? <laughs> Which, How about Hagrid and, and, and Grop? Oh yeah. Ha- ha- Grop, I thought. Oh, oh is, is Grop pure giant? Maybe he is. Hagrid is certainly... Hagrid was certainly... Honestly, the logistics of that... Yeah, his father was like the size of a mackerel and his mother was the size of an iceberg. So I don't really quite understand (laughs) how that happened. Did he crawl into that headbutt? I I just... I don't... I shan't be getting into it. (laughs) We won't get into that. Um, So yeah, Nagini or Nagini? I say Nagini, but what do I know? I say Nagini. We should Um, probably tweet to J.K. Rowling and have her explain it with a full etymology... Of, of some elven language, you know, go full Tolkien and just really invent a language. Well, I think she did actually say the Naga or something, oh or some like Indian culture thing specific, I know. Um, so anyway, Nagini is a woman, and this just makes me think, did Voldemort fuck his snake? Yeah, so this is introduced in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. Clearly, one of the Fantastic Beasts is this woman <laughs> who... Ashley said is a maledictus, and this is someone who can turn into an animal at will. Kind of I thought like that's an animagus. Kind of like an animagus, but this person is cursed from birth, always a female, passed down through generations. It's a blood curse, and will eventually lose their ability to turn back into a human. So now I'm wondering, when did Voldemort meet Nagini? Um, and if, like you know, the Fantastic Beasts era occurred 70 years before the Harry Potter films. Yeah. And we know from the second film and the book where it goes 50 years in the past and that's when Voldemort was 16. And that means that by the time of the events in the film, so yeah, by the time of the events of the film, Voldemort was around 70. So at this point, Voldemort's a child in these Fantastic Beast films when Nagini's a grown woman, right? Yeah. He must be. Or not even born yet. He's not even born yet. So... Honestly, I'm just wondering what the hell's going on here, to be honest. I think this is a case of when you try to, like, reinvent so much stuff and just, you know, go, oh, yeah, she's from that thing. He's from that other thing. It's like that little fake detective that goes off in our minds when we get a reference in a film. We're like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that that actor doing a cameo. I recognize him. He's that guy. Yeah, yeah. But what's the point? And I think here what you have is a case where she's adding in so much stuff and I'll reference this and reference that. It almost like shrinks down the universe and I feel like kind of cheapens it. Whereas you could just go, yeah, this is a new story, a new line. Why does everything actually have to be so intertwined for like fan service that there's basically nothing happening? It's as we're going to eventually get into the Star Wars bit. Mm. You see it there too. You're like, oh yeah, let's just bring back all the characters from the past. Why invent new stories? It's boring. Yeah, and like, one thing about it is that it doesn't have the Game of Thrones problem of all those random plot lines spreading out that need to converge. The story's already been written. We know how this all ends yeah. with all these characters. So she could just bring in all these new ones. That's but, what I was oh, oh. hoping to see in the Fantastic yeah. Beasts films. I was like, I wanted it to be something new, not Gellert Grindelwald coming in. Oh. Or then again, maybe she'd have to do the Rogue One thing of killing everyone off, else people would probably say... Why weren't they in the original? Actually, wait, no, 70 years before. There's your built-in thing. They died of old age, all of these characters. Yeah, exactly. Nicholas Flamel. 
who she also stuck in there. Oh, unnecessarily. Look, here's the thing. Like, why is it that we can't just have new stories? Like, and I, when I first read Harry Potter and I understood that that she had put so much effort into creating an an established universe, it felt amazing. Mm. I think this is so cool. I don't need all of it explained. I like it as it is. We, we, just to get a bit meta, we come into this world. (laughs) Here we go. And there's just so much out there. And we just accept that. And and we learn about things over time, but not everything has to be explained. Not everything has to come from one to another. I don't have to know what everybody had for breakfast 20 years ago Mm. on a specific day in order to like live my life now. Exactly. Just my two cents. Very poignant. Just my two cents. (laughs) Um, Are there a few more that you want to take us through, Tom? So one, Fred was born first. Who really cares, to be honest? Like, that was just a detail. Like, Fred really needs first. That. She should have named the second one, you know, Sir George for second. <laughs> I can tell he did improv. Um, and then next we have that divination is not actually real. Now, first of all, I, w- I want to think, so Hogwarts is mismanaging its money in terms of hiring teachers for subjects that just aren't even real. Isn't it publicly funded through tax oh, money? Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure Wizard it's publicly tax. funded. Oh, like yeah. The Ministry El- of Magic. Yeah, else yeah. they wouldn't be able to have just, like, shoved Umbridge in there, surely. Yeah, exactly. Or, I don't know. Maybe it's more of a dictatorship in uh, the Wisdom World. Honestly, who knows? Maybe it's China. <laughs> so, anyway, um, before we get taken off Chinese airwaves, what I did wonder is, so, why in the Department of Mysteries is there then an entire room of prophecies? Oh, Tom, wizards aren't logical. Let's move on to the next point. That's a good point. Next, Crookshanks is magic, actually. And honestly, who cares? We could have just had a cute cat that just got on with Sirius Black as a dog, you know? I just like that it was vague. Let it be vague. Exactly. Have some mystery to it. Ugh. Next, legitimacy is just a skill that you can have. Some mind reading. Yes. Yeah. And that's Queenie in the new Fantastic Beast thing, right? Isn't she like a psychic, basically? Well, you know what is she? Oh, you know what else she is? She's also Jewish, and ah. she's, she's related to Anthony Goldstein. I'm not even making this up. You can go to, like, this actual, there's, like, a uh, fandom page or whatever for Anthony Goldstein, and you can find all this information about him, including his signature, his eye color, I assume, you know, probably his, his height's on there, too. Why not? This is just when you can't be bothered to think up of a new surname, I think. Um, but that thing, it, it bothers me, because it's like, I thought only the greatest wizards and witches would be able to master that such as Dumbledore and Voldemort, and then like a really great wizard in Snape being able to master the ability of oculancy and block himself off from it. Yeah. I really like the idea of it being like a very cool, elusive thing that you had to work really hard for instead of just being natural. Yeah. There's a lot more mystery around it. And instead it's this Queenie who, not only do I have issues with her whole kind of positions in the Fantastic Beasts films and the lack of clarity around character development there, but also... She's not she she's not an impressive witch, is she? No. So therefore, yeah, legitimately. Yeah, and I don't voice. understand the voice. Like what like you know the voice of Queenie. Like why she speaks that way. So like mm, not sure I remember. It's kinda like about. it's just really like I don't know, just like un- it's like really high pitched and it feels like it's something the actor is very definitely just putting on. Like a choice the actor made. I don't understand it. Look, I mean Speaking as a, a sort of non-professional actor, um, there are definitely ways that you want to play certain characters, and there could be reasons behind that that haven't been revealed yet. Mm. I mean, maybe we'll find out that, you know, not only is she uh, legitimate capable, 
Um, she's probably also a, a maledictus animal. Um, <laughs> we know that she's Jewish. She probably can't even produce a Patronus. Probably not. And um, you know turns what? Turns out she actually might be gay uh, you know, at some point as well, you know, just cause, cause why not? And in a I mean, look who of, she attra- was attracted to, right? I mean, he's kind of. I mean, weird, in a couple weird. of years, you never know. We might actually found out she was actually black and just miscast. So, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm like, I want diversity, but like, just, just write in actual black character. Yeah. Don't like freaking wreck on this whole thing. Oh yeah. Now oh my God. A Jewish character. You now said a black character. Just the, cast them that way in the first place. You said the Kingsley shackle bolt thing. Oh, oh yeah. that blew my mind. I was like, that's nuts. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's... Okay, so basically I was just chatting earlier with mm. Tom and Jody, And I was like, Kingsley Shacklebolt, pretty sure that they wrote him as a black character. Um, or she wrote him as a black character, uh, from what I recall. And I was like, oh, his surname is like Shacklebolt? Is it like a reference to, to shackles? Is it like some kind of homage to slavery? But also, like, she never addresses, I mean, there's slavery of, like, house elves, but, like, there's never any mm. mention of, like, slavery, colonialism, any of that kind of stuff that we talk about now a lot more. Um, there's never any mention of that with the characters and in this universe. And again, it could be that, you know, it's an alternate timeline, it's a fantasy universe, so that's fine, but it's something that popped in my head. But the point is, if you want to have diverse characters... Just write them in that way. Exactly. You don't need to go, oh, Dumbledore's gay because you never actually saw him kiss anybody. Mm. Or, oh, yeah, it turns out, you know, I didn't specify the specific race and ethnicity of every character in the in the series. Yeah. And then next, we've got the, um, the unnecessary extra Dumbledore from Fantastic Beasts, who is probably like, you know, it's the Clarence or Cadence or something. Um who probably is like a cousin of Dumbledore, you know, at the end of the second film. Sorry, so here you're saying it's someone else from this Dumbledore family, right? That's yeah. what you mean? Okay. At the end of uh, the second Fantastic Beast film. Yeah, again, I saw it once and I never will see it again, so... Yeah, I've seen the second, not the first. And then next, the whole the whole plot of The Cursed Child, where it's like Dumbledore, not Dumbledore, Voldemort has a child with Bellatrix the Strange. And I'm just like, Why? Wait, like they thought he had a child? I don't, barely remember the Ah, so in The Cursed Child, Voldemort has a child who is the the title's cursed child, I believe. It's just a whole thing. And I was like, I thought Voldemort was just this crazy dude who wanted power not to get laid. Oh. I thought there was something somewhere where Draco Malfoy was wondering if Voldemort was his father. Am I misremembering that? That could be it, but let's face it. Look, the point is that we've now reached we've reached the stage where it doesn't even matter what's actually was written in the books because unless it was explicitly stated, you could basically make it real. And it's like certain elements of fan fiction are becoming canon now. And I'm just like, again, why do we need to keep going on about this and and milking it for all it's worth? And I think in a future episode we'll discuss kind of the the incessant sequels and recreation of so many films and things in pop culture just to, you know, they would say, breathe new life into it. And I say, yeah, be uncre- non-creative, boring, and just try and make more money out of people because they happen to like something that came before it. It's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it is funny that I mentioned that because this Friends reunion was just announced this week and that's what got me thinking about this whole topic. But I we'll cover that in another session. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, Tom, thank you for taking us through this extensive list 
of uh, the retcons. And I'm pretty sure there's even more. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be something out there about, um, or maybe there was about uh, how wizards use the toilet or they used to not use the toilet or just mm. something horrific like that. I mean, but let's face it. We love Harry Potter. It was like oh, the yeah. best. It, it is the best. I love it so much. That's the thing, but I'm like, I love it. Stop ruining it for me. Yeah. Just let it be on its own. Why can't we just say, that's it, done, seven books. Okay, we added an eighth one, whatever, this extra story. Mm. Oh, we had all these, like, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them book. I read that book when it came out as a little offshoot back in oh, like, yeah, 2004 same. or whatever. It doesn't need to be a film series. It doesn't all need to be about new stuff. Uh, sorry, not new stuff, but it doesn't, we don't need to be creating new stuff that is just partial continuations of the old. Mm. That's my two cents on it. You can have something in that universe, just make it a whole new story. I'd be much more engaged than being like, oh, he's actually Dumbledore's third cousin. Whoa. <laughs> we'll just finish off, actually. Which was your favorite story out of the seven? Um, Of the seven books? Yeah. Ooh, that is a good question. I'll tell you my least favorite was probably the sixth. Oh, Half of Prince. Yeah. And then the fourth, Goblet of Fire. I was like, meh. It was cool, like, but kind of meh. Um, I'd say my favorite is probably the Deathly Hallows. I just love that kind of scrappy adventure where things just keep going wrong and you never know what's coming on the next chapter. Nice. It's, yeah. What about yours? Favorite, absolutely, Prisoner of Azkaban, both book and film. It was just great. Nice. Nice choice. That's a good one. Mm. It's the only, of all the eight films, it's the only one my family had on DVD. Oh, really? So I've seen it like 200 times <laughs> and I've seen the other ones like once each. Brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, and after the break, we'll explain why the Hobbit trilogy was far superior to the original Lord of the Rings. <laughs>